about several years ago, around Thanksgiving, radio commentator Paul Harvey shared a true story about a woman and her frozen Thanksgiving turkey. The Butterball Turkey Company set up a telephone hotline to answer consumer questions about preparing holiday turkeys. Well, one woman called to inquire about questions about preparing her turkey that she had sitting in the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. Yeah, that's right, 23 years. Well, the Butterball representative told her the turkey would probably be safe to eat if the freezer had maintained a below zero temperature over, the, over these years. But the Butterball representative warned her that even if the turkey was safe to eat, the flavor would probably have deteriorated to such a degree that she would not recommend eating it. The woman said, yeah, you know, that's what I thought. I'll just give the turkey to the church. <laughs> and we're going to... Listen, we're going to continue to talk about giving. I hope this is not a turkey, and I hope that we don't apply our giving the same way this woman applies her giving, which is oftentimes, ah, you know, I don't really want this. I don't really need this. Here's my leftovers, Lord. Here you are, you know, going to bless the church with this, right? Listen, we're going to talk about giving cheerfully, not out of obligation, but out of grace. And again, the context for all of this, remember, is this collection, this gift that's being gathered by the churches in Macedonia and Achaia for the church in Jerusalem, where many of the, the believers down in Jerusalem at this point in time were beginning to suffer going through trials, uh, famine, persecution was was hitting them. And so the church in Jerusalem that had been so instrumental in sending out people and sharing the gospel to these regions like Macedonia and Achaia, they were in need. And so these churches now in other areas thought we want to be a blessing and a support to our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. So that's the context. Paul's looking to gather this offering to take back. But now Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 begins to talk a lot more about just that attitude in giving. And we looked again, like I said, the first five verses last week of chapter 9. Uh, we've read through them, giving us a bit of a, a, again, fresh perspective on this. But this is what we're looking at here in this chapter. We're seeing the church's preparation of giving, God's principles for giving, verses 6 to 9, and then Paul's prayer in giving, verses 10 to 15. So <clears throat> read with me again, verse 6, as we look now at God's principles for giving. It says in verse 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, when it comes to giving, you know, there's going to be times where we can easily justify our lack of giving. It's, it's never an easy thing to give something away, especially when it's our money, right? Amen. Are you with me? I think we could all agree that Giving our money away can sometimes be a very difficult thing to do. But what we're seeing in this passage, in verse 6 specifically, is that it doesn't profit to hold back. You see, in God's economy, sowing equates to reaping. So Paul uses a great example, an analogy, uh, uh, this illustration that would be very familiar to the people in this day, and that was the illustration of farming. When a farmer wants to bring in a big harvest, they know that they need to sow their seed liberally. Now, I myself am no farmer, but I've attempted to grow things in my day. 
I do not do very well at it. I grow mold really well on things that I have kept around for far too long. But one thing I've kind of struggled to grow on some areas of my property is grass. And you would think, this is a very easy thing to do. But I'm here to tell you, that's a myth, all right? <laughs> what seems like should be a no-brainer seems to bring complications to it. Either it's me that complicates it, or I'm doing, I don't know what's going on. But what I do know is that when I'm trying to grow some grass on my property, I don't take the grass seed and go, okay, I'm gonna plant you right here. I'm gonna take you now. I'm gonna put some over here. I'll put some over here. That should about cover it. I know that's not gonna do it. I know that I need to take that seed and I need to scatter it out and I need to cover that ground. The more that I put down, <clears throat> the more that is going to be produced as a result. Unless I'm wrong on that. Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. But I figured this is kind of what we're seeing here in our principles of giving that as you scatter, you're going to see the return. You've got to scatter that seed. And the more that I put down, the greater the results are going to be. Here's what, what William McDonald said in his commentary. He said, we should remember this with regard to agriculture. The farmer does not reap the exact amount of grain he sows, but much more proportionately. So it is in Christian giving. It's not a question of receiving back exactly what one is given, but receiving back far out of proportion to the amount of the gift. Of course, the return is not so much in money as in spiritual blessings. Now, <clears throat> here's the great thing with this illustration. What we sow is not lost. What we sow, my friends, is not lost. I don't scatter that seed and go, oh man, that was a waste of money. Now, what I, I just, it just goes in the ground and that's it. Now, on some places on my property, that is sadly what happens. It's lost, I'm doing something wrong. But typically when you do it right, right? When you bring in the weed man company or something like that, they do it right. You scatter the seed, it's not lost. You know that whatever you've purchased, there's going to be a return on that. It may become something different, but that seed brings about results. And we want to be careful that we're not just again dealing with increase financially. That's not what Paul is getting at. We're dealing more with a quality rather than a quantity of return. And I think you could add that Paul is also addressing the quality of our giving rather than just the quantity of our giving. So all through scripture, we see this principle of reaping what we sow. And that pertains to many areas in our lives. But here, Paul is connecting that sowing and reaping principle to our giving. Now, I think it's very important that we address a very popular teaching that stems out of a passage like this. And that is the teaching of the prosperity gospel. What's the prosperity gospel, you might ask? It's the teaching that God wants us to be wealthy and healthy and never to be in need. And let me tell you, I love that teaching. <clears throat> I really do. Who doesn't want to be healthy and wealthy? Here's the problem, it's not biblical. This is not what God has instructed, said, or guaranteed for us. Who, uh, these things are, are just not found in the Bible. And let me tell you, I've searched high and low. I spent many days looking, where is this? Because I wanna live that out. It's not there in the Bible. You're not gonna find it. Now, proponents of this teaching will use verses like 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to say that we will receive back from the Lord when we give, that we just need to sow that seed of our finances and you are going to reap an abundance. You are gonna be rich and wealthy. 
And you're not gonna be rich and wealthy unless you sow that seed. So this is what they teach. And that is true believers in the Lord and people of faith that we should just be rolling in the dough. Listen, they're gonna, they're gonna twist scriptures around and say things like, you know, the parable of the sower. The sower goes out and, and, and scatters seed. There's, they're gonna say that seed is your finances. And as you plant that seed, it's gonna come back 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, I mean, you can read in Mark's gospel of the parable of sower and seed, and Jesus himself says, listen, the seed is the word of God. But I've heard people from the pulpit say, the seed here is your finances, your money. And when you scatter that seed, when you give that seed away, you're gonna receive back. And you give so that you can get. And this is what people will teach. Now, of course, where are these ministries directing you to practice sowing your finances? It's right into their ministries. How convenient, isn't it? Listen, we're providing an opportunity for you today to put this principle into action. And if you give $1,000, $5,000 today, we're gonna pray that God is just gonna return that back into your pocket. But we're gonna enjoy it in our pockets first. And now these guys are driving around in their Rolls Royces, living up in their mansions, flying around in their private jets, all while you continue to be broke because you've invested into the wrong things here. The Bible never once says that we should be people living in abundance. Rather, the Bible makes it clear that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, 1 Timothy 6.10. Listen to what we read in, in Hebrews 13.5. I'm gonna give you a few verses here. It says in Hebrews 13.5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Luke 12, 15, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Listen, it's not wrong to have money as long as money doesn't have you, doesn't have a hold on you to where you become a slave to the money and to more money. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 10 doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil, it's the love of money. It's the, the ungodly pursuit of those things that take you away from the pursuit of Jesus. Listen, if your priority is a pursuit of more money, then you're missing out on the real abundant life that Jesus has for you and the life that Jesus is for you. Amen. So we should see our finances rather as opportunities to invest in what really matters, and that is in eternal things not investing back into our own pockets and just for our own pleasure, it's investing into eternal things. Jesus said as much in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, God's not gonna let you sink because you're a giver. Quite the contrary. God's gonna protect you, preserve you, uphold you. God's gonna bless you in that. Luke 6, verse 38, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now I understand that passage in Luke 6 is speaking in the context of judgment. And, and, and what that verse is, is really speaking about is in the way that you judge others, it's gonna come back to you. But here's a principle that we see still as Paul brings up now in 2 Corinthians 
9 verse 6. It's the principle that still is applied in the area of our giving. In fact, Proverbs 11 backs it up. Verse 24 to 25, there's one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but at least to poverty. Notice this, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. God's gonna take care of him. Proverbs 22 verse nine, he who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. See, you get the idea here. You're never gonna lose out because you gave to God. You'll be blessed for doing so. Listen, don't give to get, give because you got, all right? Don't give because you wanna get, give because you've already gotten everything that you need in and through the Lord. God has already given you much. He's given you everything you need, forgiveness of sin, salvation, eternal life. That's huge, my friends. God's hands have been opened wide to give you all that he has. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in, not their bank account, but rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may also lay hold on eternal life. See, here's something that we have to understand, is that everything that we have has been given to us from the Lord. It's already the Lord's. We're just the ones that he's entrusted it with. And we're called simply to be good stewards of what he has given us. And so as we give, what we're saying is, God, I'm just simply giving back to you what you've already given to me. We cannot outgive God. God will be a debtor to nobody. So don't think that you're gonna suffer, that God's gonna cause you to, to sink when you give. God's gonna bless you. God's gonna honor that. God's not gonna be a debtor to nobody. You cannot outgive God. So Paul says in verse seven, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. When it comes to giving, it would be really easy to leave it all up to those that we say, well, that person's got the gift of giving. I think they're the ones that really need to carry this all for the church now. My gift is not giving. My gift is this over here. I have a gift of this, but they've got the gift of giving. I wish that was my gift. It's just not, sorry, what can I do, right? Take that up with the Lord. But this person, we're praying that they really give now, right? And we can easy kind of pass the buck, right? No, no pun intended there. But we read, what do we read here? Look at this. We read, let each one give, okay? Notice that here. Let each one give. In other words, giving is something all of us should be active in and participating in. This is something that we're all, as the church, whatever your gift is, some have the gift of giving, the Bible says, where it, it, it kind of goes above and beyond, outside of just kind of you know, regular giving, but we're all called to be those that give. But notice this, give as you purpose in your heart. In other words, don't do it legalistically or religiously. Do it because you've purposed in your heart to do so. Because this becomes now for us an act of worship. This becomes an opportunity for us to say, God, 
I recognize that everything I have is from you. I am so blessed. I thank you for what you've given me, but Lord, I wanna give back. I don't wanna just be the, the holder or the user of all these things. I want to be a participator in your work and in what you wanna do in and through the church to bless others, to see ministry continue to unfold. That's why we give, is we're giving back to the Lord for the Lord to carry out his, his purposes and his work. And there's fruit now that comes from it. Listen, there, there are many today that would love to say, oh, you know what, tithing, oh man, that's, that's like Old Testament. That was part of the law and we're not under the law any longer. So we're no longer obligated to tithe. To which I can say, yeah, you make a good point in that. There's, that's not wrong to say that, but Understand, we see the principle of giving. Paul's taking this beyond tithing to say, give and give generously. Do so out of your heart that's full of cheerfulness now, that's full of gladness. God wants this not to be a begrudging obligation. And it does when we begin to think of it as, oh, it's a tithe, I've gotta do this. I'm not against tithing, I think, Tithing is important. I think, I think we should purpose in our heart what we want to give. And it doesn't have to be 10%. Guess what? It can be 20, 30, 80%. Do I hear 90, anybody? <laughs> okay. I got one right here. Thank you, Joseph. Let me just get that written down here. Okay. Listen, we don't have to, we don't have to limit it. But sometimes we put this kind of emphasis on you know, doing so under some legalistic way or this idea that we have to give a certain percent. No, be free, be liberal. That's why what, what Paul is speaking about here, sowing liberally, doing so generously because God has given so generously to us. So this isn't something to be done begrudgingly or out of a sense of obligation. And, and so, you know, I remember growing up in a church where you'd pass a plate around every Sunday. You'd do so, you know, even in, in, in youth or in young adults that I, I grew up in. And, and there'd be times, you know, the plate would be passed along and I'd be like, oh boy, I didn't bring any money with me, right? I'm like, oh, or I'd be like, I've got five bucks, but I was gonna go to McDonald's with the group after. What am I gonna do, right? And so you, you feel this kind of obligation to give, the plate's being passed in front of you, everybody's looking. So, I, you know, I learned that trick, you know, the plate comes by, you sort of reach in like you're putting something, you might pick up a 10 spot in there, lift it up for everybody to see, put it back in there, pass the plate along, it's like, yep, you know it, just giving, just giving my money to the Lord here, right? I'd go home and repent to that after, but then, you know, do it the next week too. So it just, but we have this obligation sometimes, you know, and, and so that's why, you know, at Calvary Chapel, at least at Riverside, most Calvary Chapels do, but not all. It's not, a, it's not something that we sign up for and say, this is how we're gonna do it. But I've loved that spirit within Calvary Chapel. It says, you know what? We're not gonna pass a plate. Passing a plate's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condemning that at all. There's times where we've kind of done that for specific offerings. And there might be times we will do it. Don't say, oh, Brian, I, said, I thought you said you're never gonna pass. I've never said we won't ever pass a plate or they won't do it for specific times. But what I've loved is just, we put an, an offering box on the wall. Some of you have wondered, where, how do you give at the church? Don't you do offerings? Yeah, but we do this in a way where you purpose in your heart to do it. We don't wanna make it 
uh, an obligation or a begrudging requirement that you feel led to do. We used to have flashing neon arrows on the wall that pointed to the offering box just in case somebody missed it. We decided we'll take those down too. But we want this to be something you purpose in your heart to do out of an act of worship because you're saying, Lord, I'm coming today in the house of the Lord and I wanna be a worshiper of you. And, and a way that I can worship you is by coming and bringing something that's, that's a, a sacrifice in a sense. Just as in the Old Testament, they'd come and they'd bring, you know, to bring a sacrifice that costed something for them. And so as we come, we get to bring our offerings to the Lord to say, God, thank you for what you've supplied for me, what you've entrusted to me, but Lord, I have such a joy now in coming and bringing that back to you. And that's what we do, and that's why Paul says, let this be done out of a cheerfulness, for God loves a, a, a cheerful giver. Now, I love that. A, a mother once gave her child a $1 bill and a quarter, and she said, sweetheart, when the offering is passed around, you can put something in the offering, you can put whatever you want in the offering, whether it's a dollar bill or the quarter. And as they were driving home, the mother said, so what did you end up uh, putting in the offering today? And the daughter said, well, the man behind the pulpit said, God loves a cheerful giver. I was going to give the dollar, but then I thought I'd be a lot more cheerful if I just put in the quarter. <laughs> That's not what being a cheerful giver is all about, my friends. The Greek word for cheerful, if we're looking at the Greek word, it's the Greek word hilaron, where we get our word hilarious. Isn't that awesome? You see, the Lord wants our giving to be something that incites such joy in us. If you are coming to church and you're putting your offering envelope in the, in the offering box, and you're just like, oh man, I can't believe I have to do this. Don't do it. Hold on to that. That's, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you doing so with grumbling or with an attitude of like, oh man, being a Christian really sucks. I can't believe we have to give money. No, God wants us to be an attitude of joy and our giving can be something that incites excitement and joy and cheerfulness as we do so contributing to the work of the Lord. When we understand the purpose of this giving and the outcome of our giving, because what's the outcome? The outcome is that God gets to carry the work now through the church in seeing the gospel go out, seeing missionaries supported to continue to evangelize areas that need to hear the gospel. We get to see fruitful ministry take place. That's something that should be exciting us and filling us with joy to where we get to come in, skip into church going, woohoo, I get to give to the Lord now and see ministry and fruitfulness abound. That's why we give. Don't do it religiously. Don't do it out of just, Ah, like this attitude of, oh, this is really a downer. Hold on to it, that's the case. Give when you're excited to do so. Now, as we've already seen, God takes care of those who give. He loves a cheerful giver. Again, our motivation should never be to get more money in return, but to simply be a worshiper of God and to be able to have the privilege of partnering in the work of God. That's, that's what should be motivating us. And anytime I see this, for God loves, anytime I see in scripture something that God loves, that's something I wanna take note of and say, that's what I wanna be doing. <laughs> because I know right away, God, are you gonna be happy with this? No, I know, well, God's loving it. He's cheering it on. He's like, oh man, that is awesome to see these people giving, sometimes when it's even a sacrifice. Oh, but 
Wait till they see the return that comes now their way. And so notice this here, verse eight, goes on to say, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, you still may be pondering this whole topic of giving and thinking, oh man, you just don't know my situation. You don't know my, my, the, the financial picture that I have, the debt that I'm in, the responsibilities that I have, and you're right, I don't know any of those things, but I do see how God's word encourages us in these things, saying that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace abound to her. He's able to allow you to have the resources you need to be able to give. And just remind yourself of these three beautiful words. God is able. God is able, my friends. How we need to be reminded that we don't do this left on our own to try to suffer through this. God is able to provide and God is able to continue to meet our needs. Just remind yourselves of that. He's not trying to put you into a financial squeeze or a difficult place, but he does want us to express our trust in him. And giving is certainly a way that we do that. Isn't giving one of the key ways by which we say, Lord, I'm living this life in complete trust in you. Again, like I said last week, God doesn't need your finances. God's not broke. God's not looking for a handout. God's saying, this is a great evaluator of where your heart is. That's what we read in Matthew 6, where your treasures, there your heart will be also. So if we give that away and we, we give to God's work, we recognize it's indicating our heart is living by faith in the Lord, that we're looking to the Lord to provide and to meet our needs. David Guzik says that our giving is rewarded in many different ways, materially and spiritually. Materially, God may bless our giving by promotions with better pay, unexpected gifts of money, or by making things last so we don't suffer the cost of replacing them. Spiritually, God may bless our giving by freeing our hearts from the tyranny of greed and materialism, or by giving us a sense of blessing and happiness, or by storing up rich reward in heaven. There's no end to the ways we can be blessed when God is able to make all grace abound toward us. And in doing this, notice what the word says, we'll have all sufficiency in all things. All sufficiency in all things. Isn't that great? We're gonna have all that we need to be able to give. This word sufficiency is also translated as contentment. Again, you will never outgive God. Giving is to be a joy, and when we do so out of a heart to glorify God, guess what? You're gonna experience contentment and blessing. In fact, Paul quotes now from Psalm 112, verse nine, here in 2 Corinthians 6, 9. He uses a, another passage, Psalm 112, verse nine, to kind of back up this whole idea of having sufficiency and saying that he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Notice a couple things. He disperses abroad. What does that mean? He sends out his goods. He doesn't hold it in. He doesn't keep it all around him so that he can be the benefactor of it or the bene 
benefactor of it. You know what I'm trying to say. I don't, but you hopefully do. <laughs> it's not just so that I can benefit from it, but he disperses it abroad so that it goes out and that others will be blessed. And notice, he's given to the poor. So again, he sends it out. He's not looking to just use this for himself. He's given to the poor so that others can be blessed, that God can work. But his righteousness endures forever. Notice this, that this becomes a lasting work now. This becomes a work that bears fruit. It may not just be in finances coming back your way, although there are times where the Lord will meet every need for you. But it's also in seeing the fruitfulness of this work go forth and he's laying up treasures in heaven. His righteousness endures forever. God knows everything that you do. And he rewards. And he's not looking again for the, the quantity of the gift, but the quality and how we give. That's the, the lesson in the, the widow's might, the, the woman that comes and gives just one might. And yet she gave more than everybody else. And the disciples are like, well, she just gave a might. How does that equate? God says, because she gave out of her poverty, in a sense, not out of her abundance. It's not the quantity, but it's, it's in how we give, the, the heart behind it. And so I want you to catch again what Paul says in verse eight here. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficient in all things, notice this, may have an abundance for every good work. God supplies so that you have resources for every good work. Not, not just your personal work, not just into your own account, but again, so that it can go out and multiply and be used to the Lord to carry out his work. He doesn't give so that we can have our own wealth accumulating for our own selfish consumption and gain. He makes all grace abound toward us so that we may be able to invest now into what God is doing. And that's what Paul begins to pray for next year. And we gotta wrap this up, verse 10. Paul says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Again, we're reminded that it is God who supplies to us what we need. James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. So not only does God supply what we need, but he multiplies the supply he's given us when we send it on and give now to the work of the Lord. God brings in the harvest, but the harvest cannot be collected until the seed is sown. A farmer can't hold on to the seed, keep it in his bag in the barn and expect crops to grow. He knows what he's invested in with that seed. He needs to give it away and then the crop is gonna come. Again, prosperity teachers love to highlight verse 10 and say that God will multiply the seed you have sown, your finances will increase as you give. But again, God does not promise wealth and full bank accounts. Rather, we read that he supplies seed to the sower and that he will multiply the seed that you sow and the fruits of your work. Giving to the Lord is the best way for our finances to be used in a rewarding way. 
He makes that money or our resources go far beyond what we could ever do with them in and of ourselves. And you see, God wants to enrich you so that you can be even more free to give. That produces praise and thanksgiving now to God. So look at verse 12 here. For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. So by people giving to the Lord and to the work of the Lord, it was also bearing much fruit in ways that weren't just experienced personally. This gift, you see, had many benefits that reached far beyond just themselves giving. First of all, it supplied the need of others. We see in verse, it, it not only supplies the needs of the saints, okay? So we see it supplies the needs of the saints. People are being taken care of through this. So that's number one. But now secondly, it caused people to give thanks to God, many thanks to God. And Paul always sees that as a real win. People are responding with thanks be to God. Well, then we must be on the right track. This is a good thing here. Thirdly, it proved the Corinthians' obedience of their confession of the gospel of Christ Jesus. It showed that they were not just talking the talk, but that they were walking the walk. They were carrying out what they had set out to do in bringing the offering together. And they've come to a point now where that's coming to fruition. So others now are going, oh man, these guys here, they're going all out for Jesus. They're walking in full obedience to what he's called them to. It was evident that God's grace was at work in their lives. And lastly, number four, it prompted prayer. And by their prayer for you. So not only now were they giving and being blessed, but now they got other Christians praying for them. Isn't that great? Again, we don't give to get. Our motivation is not what are we gonna get all that, but understand when we give, man, we get to have people praying for that, giving thanks to God. They're glorifying God here. There was great fruit that was coming out of this here that should cause everybody, the recipients and the givers, to simply respond with praise to God. And that's what was happening. And Paul highlights that. Now, just as we wrap up here, Paul's, you know, hitting the church here now with these lessons, these principles on giving. He's praying for them and seeing the, the fruit is, but notice how Paul ends this, and I love that. It's a great way for us to end here, verse 15. Paul says, listen, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul, ends this passage now, reminding his readers that God is the ultimate giver. God's not the one sitting back going, please, you're not giving very much. You need to give more. Keep it coming in, everybody. God's the one that says, your giving is initiated by my giving. We don't give as the initiators to get God to respond. Our giving is a response to what God has already initiated in our lives. And he's the one that's been the greatest giver of all. And Paul says, I can't even put this into words. This is an indescribable, unfathomable gift. What is Paul talking about? I believe he's talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ, who has saved us, reconciled us, brought us in as adopted sons and daughters of the Father, made us 
co-heirs with Christ. We have been given much, my friends. Please don't leave here today with this kind of heavy weight going, oh man, another message on giving. Oh boy, I guess gotta get home and rework the budget here now. Please don't go home with this kind of weight and obligation giving. Please leave here today rejoicing that God is the one that is the ultimate giver. And we now get to respond simply to what he's already done for us. And it is indescribable. We can simply say some of these things like I've pointed out, our salvation, our adoption, we're co We can mention some of these things, but Paul says, I'm not even gonna bother because I'll never do it just, I'll never do it justice what God has really given us. I don't think we'll fully understand fully until we're with him in heaven what we have in Christ but we can rejoice in it today listen if you're here today and you don't know what you have in Christ I want to remind you today that as believers or, or, or as people sitting in the church here and this might be your first time in church in a long time or your first time in church and you're going ah this is exactly what I thought church is all about they just want your money I'm here to tell you we're not about trying to get your money don't give because you feel you need to but as followers of Christ we see the extreme privilege in giving but I want you as maybe a new person maybe you're watching online today as a person that doesn't really know you're you're, you're you're searching things out. You're wondering who this Jesus is all about. Here's what you need to know. God says it very clearly in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. God gave us his son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's the great giver and he's given you a son who needed to come to this world to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, every single one of us were sinners. We needed saving. Every single one of us needed that. Jesus came as perfectly man, sinless man, but fully God, the one that was able to take our place and pay the penalty for our sin. And he died so that you could be forgiven and that you could have a new relationship with God so that you could become a new person. And I'm here to tell you that God has given us everything have you received it? It's a free gift. Salvation is not something you need to earn or work for. Salvation is freely given to you as a free gift. And all you need to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus, the one who's made it all possible. Goes on to say, Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We have everything we need in the Lord. But may we be good stewards now of what God has given us. Let's worship him fully through what we have, what he's given us. Let us honor the Lord through our resources. And let's sit back and see what God will do through it. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this word, for this reminder of giving. It's not one that we love to emphasize, but it's important. It's what you instruct in your word. And I pray that we would have a right heart behind these things and that we would give out of a cheerful heart, knowing what we have in you, what you've given to us already, 
Lord, may this not be a burden, but be a complete joy. And I pray that you would bless the finances here in this church, Lord, that we'd be good stewards of it and that we'd see your work increase and grow. Lord, we pray for a new home. We're praying that you would provide us, God, whatever you have. So Lord, meet the needs here. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, amen. You know, Stuart's gonna come up. Um, and we, a couple months ago, or even last month, um, had our life for the fellowship where it was a time to kind of talk about just sort of the financial picture, uh, among other things, but talked about the financial picture, talked about what, you know, we're praying about doing as a church. We addressed how we are looking to purchase land. We'd love to do that. If the Lord doesn't provide a building already, which we would first and foremost love to have, uh, and we're hoping that'll happen, but in the meantime, we're looking at using our resources to put into the purchase of land that maybe we can begin to use sooner than later. Um, if anything, a good investment, but to purchase land, we need the money to do so. And so we put a call out to the church of how we would love to raise uh, two million over the next um, you know, couple of years. And, uh, and so that's something that we just wanna remind the, the church of. Again, we're not putting a heaviness on that, but just presenting the need and the opportunity and praise the Lord. Uh, having said all that, we just wanna thank the church for your faithfulness in giving. This church has been amazing. Uh, over 21 years, um, God has taken care of us so well. Um, you know, there's been times where we've been on our knees praying, Lord, help, but God has provided, God has taken care of us, and he continues to do so and bless the church financially, and that's because of the faithfulness and the obedience of, of many of you, so thank you for your giving. Our, our building kind of fund that we've sort of initiated now just this year started at Life of the Fellowship just last month at like $1,000, and now it's uh, up close to $50,000 in just a month's time. So again, praise the Lord for that, thank you. Uh, we got a long ways to go, but we're continuing to do so. And again, I'm kind of um, mentioning that because that's our theme. And we didn't plan to talk about the building uh, fund uh, knowing that we're coming up to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we go, well, this is gonna line up well. We're gonna really be able to, you know, be people with this. That wasn't planned. It's just the way it's worked out, going through God's word. So we wanna continue to encourage you, um, pray about how to give, uh, what to give, but do so with a cheerful heart, honoring the Lord and giving back to the Lord in those things, okay? So thank you, everybody. God bless you guys.